When we last left Paul and the soldiers and the convicts that were all on a boat, they were getting shipwrecked, right? So a couple of things you got to think about. This is a boatload of prisoners. And while Paul is um, unfairly tried and unfairly arrested and his whole trial is kind of bizarre, even that when the guy is sending him to Rome, when Felix had him arrested, you know, had him in prison for two years and then the, the other guy had him for a while and was like, I'm sending him to Caesar to appeal, but I don't even know what crime he did or what we're appealing or what. It's all kind of vague. Most of the prisoners on this ship weren't like that. Most of the prisoners on this ship were actual really prisoners. And their fate isn't necessarily to go to Rome to appeal to Caesar. Their fate is to go to Rome and to be in an amphitheater and fed to lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. That was a that was the setup for you to say, oh my. Uh, they're gonna be fed to gladiators, right? These guys are gonna be fighting. They're, that's how they did their death sentence was sport and game. And so the very end of chapter 27 was we should kill all these prisoners because the boat's about ready to be, you know, smashed. And we, the soldiers, the, the Roman soldiers, the centurion and all of his men, they want to survive. But if they have to survive and then they got to take care of, you know, Cecil the murderer here, they're thinking, I'm not going to survive, so let's kill him. But I think his name was Julius, the head of the centurion. He didn't want to kill Paul. They have to do the same thing for everybody. So he says, nope, we're not killing everybody. We're, everybody's going to live. So they smash up on the shore. Their boat is destroyed. They're holding on to planks of wood while they all wash up on the shore. That was at the very end of 27. Now remember also that this is written by Luke. And I was talking to a guy about this yesterday. I said, every story I tell when I talk about something that happened to us and then this happened and then this happened, in my head, I am picturing like Star Wars and G.I. Joe, and there's cliffhangers, and I wanted, I'm not adding to the story. I'm not changing the story. It's just that the framework of the little buckets of information that I'm giving you, I'm building up for the big grand reveal, right? Of, and then we found out this, and I'm telling the story like that. So as Luke has had this event, and he's retelling the story, he's retelling the story kind of in the style of all the stories he's read and all the stories he's been told. So he grew up a Greek educated, probably upper class person. So he read all of these Greek classic books and there's a whole genre of Greek classic books that are the sea trip, the sea voyage and all these terrible things happen at sea and the gods and goddesses that the Greeks believed in would often use the ocean as the place to do judgment. I mean, it's kind of hard to like fall over and die in a woods or in a city where everything's safe. But if you're sitting on a boat, boom, 
You fall out of the boat, you drown, you get eaten by sharks. It's easy to cover up, right? So in all these tales, there would be these sea voyages and the gods and goddesses would wreck their justice and they'd kill the bad guy in the ocean, whatever. So here's Paul. We know he's on trial for a thing that doesn't even make sense. They don't even know what they're accusing him of. And he's on the sea voyage and boy, are they shipwrecked. And so if you were a Greek like Theophilus, remember in Acts chapter one, the opening line of Acts is, I'm writing this, oh dear Theophilus, to you to give an account. Some people think that was just a general person, lover of God. Some people think it was an actual person that paid Luke, commissioned him to write all this stuff down, like to provide for him while he writes it. Because we want to know what happened to the Apostle Paul. So you're going to write it all down. Somebody like him would read this and they'd be like, oh, Paul is, he is not good. He did not do the right things because he's shipwrecked. And it's, it's really important to think about that with what is about to happen. Acts 28, verse 1. After we were brought safely through, we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and it was cold. So Isle of Malta was on, it was not necessarily on the route. Remember we talked about in the winter, they would take grain up to Rome from uh, Northern Africa. You, they usually go around the coast, but some ships could go straight across and it was really dangerous and really daring. And if you were one of those daring, dangerous ships, Malta was a stopping point. Or <laughs> Malta was a stopping point whether optional or required. Because it was also the place where you would wash up if your boat was destroyed in a storm or where all your bodies would wash up if your boat was destroyed. Got a little PG-13 there for a minute. So these people on Malta, when they see a shipwreck, this is a normal thing for them. It's not completely... It's not normal like it happens every week. But it's not completely foreign like, wow, what do we do with these 279 people that just landed on our shore? So they build them a fire. They show them hospitality. They take care of them. They are desperate. These guys in the boat are desperate for them. Have you, have you all heard the story of on September 11th when all the airplanes got grounded? There was this one airplane that got grounded and it got reverted and it had to land in Canada. And all of a sudden there's this airplane full of people from America that were like flying to Miami or something and they're landing in Canada and there's no flights for two weeks. So all of a sudden you have this whole airplane full of people that have to live. Like, what are we going to do with them? And this small town just embraced all of these people. They found houses for a bunch of them. Everybody had an extra room and they all basically showed them hospitality. And you know, all the trauma of September 11th that America is going through and the trauma of you can't get home to your family, you can't get to your job. And these people welcomed them. So last year, they had the 10, 10 year, 20 year, the 20 year anniversary of that. And almost all the people that were on that flight went back to that town and they had this huge party and people have like gotten married and families have formed. And like, there's this whole big, awesome thing hospitality you guys it 
it is a, it is a very big deal. It is a way the Lord really, really shows off what he does when, when we show hospitality. And it's happening right here. So they're building a fire. And Paul picks up a stick. And a snake comes out of the stick pile and bites him. No joke. There was an old Greek tale about this bad man who got on a ship and his ship was wrecked and he survived. And then he got up on the shore and a poisonous snake came out and bit him and got what he deserved and he died. That was an old Greek folktale that Luke would have read. So now this happens. So if you're Theophilus and you're reading this, you're just like the Maltese, the, these people from Malta. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said, no doubt this man is a murderer. He has escaped from the sea, but justice has not allowed him to live. And when you're looking in your Bible, it might have a capital J for justice. That's because the name that they use there is not justice, but it's Dike. And Dike is the Roman goddess of justice. She's down on our courthouse with a spear, and she used to have a, a, a scale, but somebody stole the scale. And uh, this is exactly how the Maltese thought, that you did something bad. The gods and goddesses, the powers that be, nowadays people call it the universe, is out to get you, and now a bad thing will happen to you. You did these bad things, now the bad thing happens to you. People call it karma. It's just this impersonal, the world is out to get you, you get what's coming to you kind of thing. And I want to say none of that is the way of Jesus. And so if you read this, oh, yep, he got what's coming to him. He must be a murderer. He got bit by the snake. And now Dike has not allowed him to live. What I, what I wanted, what, the reason why I want to pound on this Dike business is that sometimes we catch ourselves attributing some sort of event or fate to an impersonal power. Well, he just got what was coming to him, or I guess justice was done. I guess, I guess that's what he gets. And when we do that, we're taking the personality out of God. And we're attributing it to this mindless, powerful power. And that's Buddhism. And I don't want us to be Buddhists. I want us to be Christians. Romans 8.28 says, God uses all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That love God and are called according to his purpose. God uses all things. So did Paul get bit because it's in the snake's nature to bite something when it's attacking it? Yeah, right? That's the nature of a snake. When you attack it, it's going to bite you. So he was bitten just by natural causes. A natural, you know, if I, uh, yeah. Let's give credit to where credit is due. If God did something, let's give him credit for it. And if God didn't do it, then let's wait and see what God will do with it. Right? If I get in a car wreck, what'd you get in a car wreck? Oh, Satan made me 
look at my phone and check my text messages while I was flying down the street. No, I did that. I don't need to give the devil credit. But what's God going to do with that? What is God? If, it's, if Romans 8, 28 is true, God works all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm confident that I love him. I'm confident that I'm called according to his purpose. That means God's going to work all things to my good. Wow. Let's watch and see what that is. And let's not give credit to the devil or any goddess or any unnamed whatever nonsense, right? So they all say, justice has not allowed him to live. Dike has not allowed him to live. Paul, however, shook off the creature and into the fire and suffered no harm. I love that. It's not like, oh, this is bad. It's like, like, if you want to talk about symbolism from Genesis, God said, you are going to strike at his, he said, God says to Satan, you will strike at his heel, but he will crush your skull. And so if you were a Greek, this snake would be the instrument of justice, the instrument of giving Paul what he deserves. But look what happens. What does Paul deserve? Paul deserves death. But Jesus Christ died for Paul and Jesus Christ gives Paul the power over sin and death to yank that thing off. And what happens in the book of Revelation? He's cast into the lake of fire. It's just it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's like you've got Genesis, you've got the book of Acts and you've got the book of Revelation all happening at once. I got your Daiki. I got your goddess of justice, whatever fire. Shook it off in the fire, suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. When they had waited a long time, saw no misfortune come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a God. Why? Because that's how they think of things. That's their framework. They have not been told that there's only one true God. And all of these gods and goddesses that they worship are demons. So in their framework, in their way of thinking, they think Paul is a God. We know Paul doesn't like that. When Paul was in the city and everybody said that he was, he and Barnabas were Zeus and Mercury or Hermes, and they started offering sacrifices to them, they said, stop doing this. Those gods and goddesses are garbage. Don't worship them. That's idol worship. And everybody beat them up because they were mad because even though they thought they were Zeus and Hermes, and yeah. Sometimes people are going to believe what they're going to believe, right? But in the neighborhood of that place, remember, God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working everything for good. In the neighborhood of that place, there was land belonged to the chief of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Oh, you guys are all shipwrecked. You're Roman soldiers. You're prisoners. Come, I will take care of you. Three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. Dude is sick. Paul visited him, prayed, putting his hands on him. He healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island had diseases, who had diseases also came and were cured. They honored us greatly. And when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. So all of a sudden, 
Paul is laying hands on people and praying for them and God is healing them and healing them and healing them. Do you know there, there are people on Malta, which is off the coast of North Africa, south of Italy, that where Christianity has been for 2,000 years, there are people that heard the gospel from Paul that carried it, carried it, carried it, carried it. Wow. So he gets to preach to the Isle of Malta. You know, it doesn't say it here, but we know that Paul is not, just from the character and how he's acted in other places, he's not letting them go on believing he's a god. He's going to stop that nonsense. And they take care of him. After three months, we set sail. I love how this kind of stuff happens in the Bible. If you're reading this too fast, you miss it. They were there for three months. Three months of healings, of talking, of... I mean, they're just totally the guest of Publius, right? Because they're not working for him. They can't do anything. Three months, they set sail in a ship that had wintered on the island. A ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Wait, what? Okay, so again, Luke is writing this for Greeks to read. He wants Greeks to read this and he wants Greeks to see that Paul is right. And so all of a sudden you got these two gods. Why does Paul bring this? Okay, these two gods that are on this ship. These would be the two gods that are in the constellation Gemini that they would worship. And they worship them as one of them was the person that uh, punished people when they lied under oath. When they lied in a court. These are the people that would make sure they would die. If you lied while you were in a courtroom, then they would make sure you were dead. And so here's Paul. And where is he going? He's going to be on trial before Caesar. And so if you were a Greek and you saw those two guys, you'd be like, oh, shoot, he is so dead. They are going to sink him bad because he's going to court. And oh, yeah, this is just bad news. Again, because they're thinking that you do stuff in this world. You do stuff good or bad. It's, it's total legalism. And if you do stuff bad, then the, the gods and goddesses are going to punish you and do bad things to you and make sure you get what's coming to you, right? So he's on the boat with these gods of the two, these twins as the figurehead on the front. They put it at Syracuse. They stayed there for three days. From there, we made a circuit and we arrived at Regium. Oh man, this is it. One day south, wind sprang up. On the second day, we came to Puteoli. They're not crashing. They're not stopping. After one day, south wind sprang Yeah, we said that. There we found the brothers. We found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. This is all blessing. This is all good. And this is all laying this framework that maybe, just maybe, the God of Paul is more powerful than all these little Greek gods. And maybe the God of Paul doesn't always make what you deserve happen to you. Maybe sometimes 
he holds it back or maybe he takes it himself so that you can go and live in peace, which is the gospel. They meet the brothers. They visit with them for a week. Brothers there, when they heard about us, came from as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. And they are in Rome. Paul has made it to Rome and all kinds of people are hearing the apostle Paul's in Rome. What? Let's go see him. And they're all going. Remember, he's been gone for a long time. That boat, that boat with the centurion Julius and all of his people, they left, they went boat to boat to boat, different boat, different boat, different boat. They got to Fair Havens and Paul said, you know, it was like October-ish. And Paul's like, you should not sail. It, we should wait till spring. You're going to lose the ship. They're like, we're not going to listen to you. And they sail. They had two weeks lost at sea, hopeless. They crash onto Malta. They spend three months on Malta. Then they do more sailing, more sailing, more sailing. And they finally arrive at Rome. When they came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself along with the soldier who guarded him, which is probably Julius, even though they don't interesting by his name anymore. So here's what I want you to think about. If a guy is sent to Rome for a trial, we can't figure out what in the world the trial is. We can't figure out what the charges are, but we're going to send him to appeal to Caesar because by the way their structure of laws were, they had to let him do that. On the way, a trip that would normally take this long takes this long. And by this time, a lot of people that are in communication with the people on this boat are thinking they're gone. They're dead. And so Paul shows up in Rome. Whoa, there he is. Here's all these soldiers. Nobody died. Like 270 some odd guys. They all made it. What, why did you guys come to Rome again? <laughs> it's been lost. It's like completely been lost in the mail. Nobody knows. Listen to this. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. Why? Because Paul's doing what he does, right? When he went to a city, he would go to the synagogue. He'd preach at the synagogue. He can't. He's in prison. He's got a soldier chained to him all day long. But he's living in this house. After three days, he calls together the local leaders of the Jews. When they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty. They wanted to let me go. Isn't this awesome how he gets to tell the story? I, like I'm here and I shouldn't even be arrested. They wanted to let me go because there was no reason for the death penalty. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appear to Caesar, appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. I'm not against you guys. I just don't want a death sentence. I'm not bringing any charge against the Jews. I just, they wanted to kill me for no reason, so I had to appeal to Caesar. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've asked to see you and to speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. What cracks me up is this Roman soldier has heard more sermons than anybody. Because <laughs> he's been chained to Paul for three months. 
the whole time he's in Malta. This soldier got to see every single person get healed. This soldier was probably with Paul when Paul was like, hey, can I, I need to lay my hand on, okay, thanks. <laughs> Let's both lay our hands on this guy so I can pray for him. I mean, I guess I could lay my unchained hand on him, but this is kind of weird. Hilarious. They say to him, this is verse 21, we have received no letters from Judea about you and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. Wow. Just think about the impact of that. No report from Jerusalem about Paul made it to Rome. No charges, nothing. And so now they don't think he's there for any bad reason. They think it's just this big, horrible mess up of paperwork and they don't have anything against him. And so he, they say, we desire to hear from you what your views are with regard to the sect. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. So everywhere is talking against the sect, which are the people that follow Jesus. So Paul has been all over Asia. Remember, he was in Ephesus for three years and it says all of Asia heard the gospel. These guys in Rome have heard about these people that follow Jesus and everywhere they're against it. They, they're speaking against it. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. So he didn't have to go to the synagogue. He brought the synagogue to him. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Wow. So the next time you're like, what in the world is the Old Testament for? Why should I bother reading it? The Apostle Paul was talking about Jesus all day long. From morning until evening, he expounded to them. This is like... Paul's good old days all of a sudden happening again. This is just like in Ephesus. This is just like in, in um, Corinth. This is just like all of those places where he used to go and, and Eutychus fell out the window dead and they keep on talking all night long. It is back again. The glory days are back. This is so huge, you guys, because how many times do you look back on something and you think, man, that was so good. That was just, I was so close to the Lord then. That was just me and the Lord and I was growing so much. I bet it'll never be that way again. How many times do you think the Apostle Paul thought that in the last three years? When he was on that boat and they threw all of the sails overboard and they threw the, the ropes overboard, he probably thought, I am never going to be able to teach the Bible again. When he was sitting in that prison with Felix, arresting him and, and asking him to come and talk every once in a while, but whenever Paul talked about judgment, Felix would send him away back to his prison. He'd be like, man, I love the smell of Ephesus in the afternoon. I love preaching and telling everybody about the grace of Jesus. I will never be able to do that again. And here we are in Acts 28, verse 23. Like this is the end, y'all. He is preaching morning till evening, just like he loved to do, just like the whole point. And of course, the same thing, you already know what's going to happen, don't you? 
I hope you know what's going to happen. He's going to say the G word. Do you remember the G word? It's the G word that makes every synagogue angry. Starts riots. Nation all around the world. You say the G word and the riots begin. And he says, some were convinced what he said. Others disbelieved. Disagreeing among themselves, they departed. After Paul made one statement. And he quotes Isaiah. Go to these people and say, you will hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. This people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. Paul is saying, you guys don't love God. Because if you were passionate about God, you would listen to what I'm saying. But instead, you're just stuck in your ways and you're stuck in your stuff and you don't want to turn because otherwise God would hear. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation God has the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. <laughs> he says, Gentiles, you, oh, they're so angry and they leave. That's when they left. They can't hear this Gentile nonsense. Don't even say Gentiles. Flip back to who is writing this. Luke is writing this. He's writing it to Greeks. And if you've just been convinced from this sea voyage that, wow, the God of Paul is better than those two twins, all of my astronomy, the goddess of justice, karma, all of that. That that's the God of the Jews and I'm not Jewish. So can I follow the God of Paul? Can I follow that God? Is, does he care about me? And then all of a sudden, Paul lays it out. This salvation of God, this salvation of God that Paul preaches has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen and they are going to hear it and they are going to receive it. And so if you were one of those Greek people, you would read that and you would be like, yes, I can receive this. This is for me. This isn't just for God's chosen people that are, you know, locked up. The, the, the frozen, yeah, no, the frozen chosen. This isn't just for the frozen chosen people that I'm not one of them. This is for me too. He lived there, Paul. So Paul preaches that the, gen, the salvation is offered to the Gentiles and they're going to listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him. He wrote a ton of the New Testament in this time. This is letter writing central, writing, writing, writing. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, I did not bring this up any, and I kind of, it would have been great. Everywhere Paul went, he had boldness and he had hindrance. <laughs> right? I mean, even when they went and paid all the street people from one city to come start a riot in another city. It was bad. He was three times shipwrecked. And now at last in Rome, which is the biggest city of the ancient world, the most influential city of the ancient world, 
This is the, I don't know what this would be today because we're kind of, there's different, very influential cities, right? He is in that city and he is preaching with all boldness and without hindrance. And the gospel is going to the Gentiles and they will receive it. And that's how it ends. It ends that way because if you were the Greek person, you would be like, he wins. He was right. He didn't die shipwrecked. I don't have to hear about the court case. And, and that's how it closes. So that's the end. But I don't want to end there because I got to give you a couple other little details. And we got to do the after the credits. So this is the credits flying by. And now this is the after the credits. So this happened. Paul, by tradition and archaeology, they suspect that he was there. Um, he says he was there for two years at his own expense. He was probably freed at the end of that and was able to just go free and be a free Roman citizen. And most, you know, there's different controversies and different ideas, but the idea, one of the most prominent ones, is that he stayed there about five years after this. There's this Emperor Nero that you might have heard of in world history. And he did a massive killing of as many Christians in Rome as he could. And the, the Apostle Paul probably died in that. When all the, all, the, um, all the Christians in Rome were getting killed by Nero. And since Paul was a Roman citizen, so somebody like Peter, who is not a Roman citizen, was crucified. Because that was a shameful way to die. This is, we're going to show you how tough Rome is, and you're all worms, so we're going to make a party and a spectacle out of your death. Paul, since he's a Roman citizen, he does get some rights, even though he's getting killed, and probably just had his head chopped off like an instantaneous thing with, a, with the executioner. But he didn't even die in prison, right? He, he died persecuted, certainly, but this boldness and without hindrance lasted for two years. So, what I take away from that is where I live in Evansville, Indiana in 2022. And I don't have near the hindrance to talk about Jesus that the Apostle Paul had. Nobody's going to misinterpret. When I talk about Jesus or I talk about God, they're not going to think I'm talking about Castor and Pollux and DK and Zeus and Hermes and all that nonsense, right? They might be confused if I talk about the universe or karma and all that, which is why I want to just talk about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. If I talk about this topic or this theme or this political issue, we talked about that earlier, I can get caught up and other people can become the gods and goddesses of my political issue. But if I just talk about Jesus, people can't argue with Jesus. If you look at him in his word, if you seek out what he taught and you seek out what he did, that's what really matters, right? The, the truth of Jesus is what counts. And that's what Paul got to preach. And that's what he talked about. Did you notice nowhere in there did he tell them, hey, Caesar, you're a big schmo and you're corrupt. We don't have that. We have Paul preach the gospel with boldness and without hindrance. And he made it about Jesus. 
We don't know. I would love to figure it out. And there's probably all kinds of fairy tales and traditions about what happened to the dude that was chained to him for two years. <laughs> right? To think about that. There's people that are chained to us that are our next door neighbors. They didn't ask to be our neighbors, but they bought the house next door. And now they're stuck, right? They're going to hear everything we talk about. They're going to hear every prayer we pray. They're going to see everything that we do, just like that prisoner. There's people that are prisoners that didn't ask to be prisoners that are chained to us in front of us and behind us in the grocery store aisle that are going to hear everything that we say. They're going to watch everything that we do. There's people in the next cubicle that are chained to us by cubicle love and they're going to be stuck sitting next to us at work. They're going to be stuck sitting next to us on the highway. And as we talk about Rome and as we rant about the evils of Castor and Pollux, they're going to hear that. Or as we talk about Jesus and his mercy and his grace and his sacrifice for our sins, replacing what we deserve and taking it on himself, they're going to hear that. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. You are so holy and so good and so righteous, and we love to follow you and serve you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be bold and to take advantage of our lack of hindrances that we would preach your gospel, make your great name known to all the nations. Thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit being with us to teach us and to guide us. And I pray that you would be exalted, whether we are imprisoned or free on a shipwreck or on a beach, that you would be exalted in all we do and say. We love you, Lord. Amen.